Coming up on Verse Course Verse, we might blow up, but we won't go pop. I mean, we we kind of go pop. That's next. Welcome to episode 83 of Verse Chorus Verse. I am DL. With me is Rachel Patty Duke Polio. Rachel, how you doing? <laughs> doing good. Yeah, I'm excited about this. You aren't as frazzled coming in as you usually are today. You seem with it. I was napping until about half an hour ago. Uh-oh. Yeah, we're fucking same. Same. My drink's going to keep me peppy. Okay, but you just told me, I think, yesterday that when you wake up from naps, you're angry. Well, that's oh, why shit. I have this drink. Okay, It'll be fine. I guess we'll have to get it. <laughs> Maybe you... We'll get yeah. there. We are not alone. This is a listener-supported episode. That's when we have a guest on to talk about a favorite album of theirs. We are here with Danny No-No. Ah, yes, we are. Yes, we are. Which, that's just a good name. <laughs> How how did you get the name Danny No-No? Yeah, so maybe 10 plus years ago, I was in a band in high school, and we happened to be on the same bill with the Misfits at the time. Wow. We got there all early. They happened to be at the venue all early. We ended up running into them. We ended up like just chatting with them. Dude gets on stage, dedicates the song to me. Throughout the evening, he's just calling me Danny No-No because he didn't understand my real name. (laughs) So it's just like, it was Des Sedina. He was playing guitar for the Misfits. He was the original guitarist for uh, Black Flag, I believe. He was playing for the Misfits at the time. We ended up running into him, Jerry only, like the the current members at that time in 2013 or whatever it was. So you got that nickname from the Misfits. Black Flag member, but he was in the Misfits at the time. Yes, correct. That's pretty cool. That's pretty much the coolest way <laughs> that you could get a nickname. Yeah. It was the same evening the fucking Phillies won the World Series. So it was like, oh, really? And all be all. <laughs> we played our set, went to a bar, watched the Phillies win the World Series. And then watch the Misfits like do their thing. It was a fucking dude, my life. You could have died that night and it would have been fine. This is the coolest it's shit. It's all been downhill time. from there. <laughs> you heard that right. He's a Phillies fan. He is from PA, yes. Lancaster. You have your own label. Correct. Big Eleanor. Mm-hmm. Where'd that name come from? Eleanor was a dog that me and my now wife had. Uh, she had the dog for probably like 15 years. I was a part of the life for maybe eight to 10 years. Uh, and then she passed away. Mm-hmm. I was in the middle of just this like crazy brainstorming session. And everyone thought I was going to name the label like No No Records or yo, he's going to name it after himself. And I was like, yo, I got to let people know this isn't about me. This is not about my progress. This is about taking the people who have supported me up to this point and letting them know like this is about them so that's kind of fantastic yeah, that's where the name came from. it's a good name i like the photo we have actually featured one of the bands under the label already on this podcast it's pronounced advocat right uh, advocat but i like to tell people advocat advocate advocate i just tell people everything but it's it's advocat we played their music before in the pod we're gonna play it again tonight awesome we are also gonna play sean calhoun who's also under your label. And I'm going to be honest, I hadn't listened to him until today. Pretty fitting because sounds like some influence from the album we're going to talk about today. There's a lot of influence. Uh, Yeah, that's a hip hop artist I connect with. He brings his influences and I've been bringing the Daylight influence and we've been meeting in the middle. Sean Calhoun and Advocat. You're going to hear both of those during the episode this week. Please check them out. You can go to Instagram, Big Eleanor Records. We'll have their stuff all over promoting it when this comes out. Sort of thing should people be going to? So it'd be Shaw underscore Calhoun on everything. Advocat is Advocat PA. And then if anyone wants to find me, obviously I'm on the computer, but the best time to find me is just walking my dog Tito around Lancaster. So head to Lancaster, look for somebody walking their dog. So what are we doing tonight? We are talking one of Danny's favorite albums of all time. Before I say what it is, Rachel, had you heard this album before? This album, I had probably heard a couple songs off of it but no no all the way through i had heard one song on this album to be completely honest until danny said something i don't think i knew this existed (laughs) i like de la soul i've been aware of them for a very long time there are a couple of their albums that i've always been a big fan of i don't think i even knew about this thing which is pretty apparent when you try to even listen to it right danny yeah so de la soul has been on some sample trouble since the beginning of their career uh, ever since they signed yeah. to Tommy Boy. Right away, they got in some quick lawsuit trouble with one of their samples off of Three Feet High Rising. And then ever since, mm-hmm. like their stuff has just, they've been trying to break it from the Tommy Boy contract so it can go on streaming, so it can go on this. Because honestly, 
they're getting fucking robbed right now. If De La Soul's discography was on streaming services, they would be making at least a third more money than they are right now. Period. Yeah. End of discussion. They're getting robbed because Tommy Boy's just withholding a lot of this proactive action towards helping them get out of their contract. We're going to talk more about that through the episode. I get the feeling that a lot of this episode is going to be label talk because I agree and I want to get my shit talking out on this <laughs> label I'm as well. here representing a label to talk shit about the unpure approaches that have been seen throughout history, yes. We'll always welcome that. Before we get more into this we got to though talk about the most important part of the night mm. what are we drinking tonight rachel i'm gonna let you go first it's daytime it is daytime. It is three o'clock your mm-hmm. time so what are you drinking after post nap post nap coffee and sugar is the best way to go post nap for me so i don't kill anyone so <laughs> i grabbed the blender i made some coffee i grabbed some fudgesicles a heath bar <laughs> And some oh espresso Baileys. That's what you're drinking? And a handful of ice. That's what you're drinking right now? Yep. It is fantastic. Wow. We'll just call that the crack? What do we... Yeah. I don't know what... I to... definitely put a lot of Baileys in there because I wanted to represent... I need to be drinking, right? But there's definitely at least two fudge sickles in here too. With a Heath bar. Yeah. How many grams of sugar are you digesting right now? Who's to Pea say? Grand. All right. Good luck with that. That's a wild ass drink. <laughs> Danny, uh, you have a couple things. Yeah, I got this uh, Victory Brewery Sour Monkey. Victory's a local brewery around here. Awesome. Yeah, they got a couple set up uh, within a maybe hour from me. And then the Sour Monkey, it's like a 10% sour beer. During the daytime in the summertime, I'll like grab the cold sours and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm not usually a drinker like that. So you got me drinking a 10% beer at like 5 p.m. So I might be getting all sorts of wild too, talking my shit. So. <laughs> what, what am I drinking <laughs> Yeah, it's hot as balls here, and I have no air conditioning in this room, so I've just got a hard iced tea. I just took some iced tea, put some vodka in it. We're there. What kind of vodka? It is Kettle One. Did you make the iced tea? No. I haven't had it in forever. It comes in a plastic jug. Very unhealthy tasting. Is it Arizona? Yes, Arizona. Mm. It's good. Nice. But yeah, it's incredibly delicious. good. And it's still like probably 99 cents. It's so cheap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so cheap. Danny, I'm really glad that you're here. I'm excited. I will fully admit that we don't talk hip hop enough on this mm. podcast. We do cover the newer stuff that's releasing. We've talked about NWA. We've talked about, you know, a, a lot of groups, but we don't do it enough. I'm really glad that you brought this album. Can't wait to talk about it. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. We are back, episode 83. We are talking about Balloon Mind State by De La Soul. This was released in 1993, golden age of hip hop through Tommy Boy Records, who eventually were bought out by Warner Brothers, produced by De La Soul themselves with Prince Paul, who you should know Prince Paul if you like Big Daddy Kane, MC Light, he's done. This is, I'd say De La Soul is really what got him over the map. I would say so, because he he was putting in mad work. Like all the people you said were existing around the same time. It's not like those people were after. Day La, but like, yeah, he uh, mm-hmm. he had a real funny after like Balloon Mind State because this was the last album he did with Day La. He seems like a fun guy, like, he seems like someone who just like does stuff for the sake of his own entertainment. Well, he definitely produced the hell out of this album. You say that fucking five times in a row. We are going to Rachel. I didn't know this, but from a, a couple of the things that we've said back and forth getting ready for this album, it seems like you have a bit of a history with early 90s hip-hop. Like, maybe you listened to this sort of stuff? I definitely did. I listened to a lot more hip-hop and rap than a white girl from Idaho normally would, I think. Um, <laughs> this fit right in with my early 90s nostalgia that I've been going through lately. You would have been too young, but what age did you yeah. start listening to stuff like this? My brother, Vincent, I believe had not this album. What was the one with, there was like a yellow cover? Does that sound Is it the like one with the thing? flowers on it? Three feet? high that's the one that most people probably that is probably i vaguely remember vincent listening to this so that's when i got introduced to it that album is probably i'd say their most popular album i I don't know about sales it's really hard you can't go off sales because of how poorly because of the time 
Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like eight, 1989 rap music, the sales aren't there, but they're literally making revolutionary music. Like Public Enemy wasn't selling, Nozilmatic didn't sell for shit, uh, Wu-Tang 36 Chambers didn't sell for shit. And then like, we're looking back now 30 yeah, years and people exactly. are literally imitating these albums. It's just one of those things where every now and then something just happens and you end up uh, engrossed in a specific thing that makes you very happy. I hadn't really had much to do with early 90s hip hop for a long time. And even then, it was more of the Dre, Tupac mm, side. That West Coast. And yeah. More bounce, more. Yeah. I really hadn't gotten into the jazz hip hop and that sort of thing since I was a kid listening to like Arrested Development and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And this, actually this album behind me, The Far Side, which came out the year before this one did, Bizarre Ride by Farside. Mm -hmm. Heard that for the first time this year, blown away. <laughs> and then you come in with De La Soul. It's kind of this renaissance for me of early 90s, really, really well-produced hip-hop. It's been really fucking fun. People don't realize how, when I say oversaturated, I don't say in a negative way. It's just like, dude, there was so much good music in general happening at that time it's not yeah. even just limited to hip-hop it's just because if you go to the rock world you go to the pop world you go to the country world you go to any yeah. genre like there's literally these people who people still haven't heard this daylight album because in 93 what are they they're listening to the tribe they're listening to the 36 like there's so, the red man there's so much stuff to rummage through that by the time you get to this you've already listened to 10 years worth of music just right. in 1993 alone i very much agree de la soul david kelvin vincent how many albums did they end up coming out with? They came out with a shit ton yeah, of they, albums. Nine. Yeah, Is maybe. it nine? They're working on 10. They're working on one right now. On Are they? Yeah. Yo, De La Soul, anytime they release music, like if you are a creative person with a pure creative approach, you got to always have your ears off. They released the album 2016 and it, it's fucking amazing. Like it just, they push creativity every time they fucking release music. Grammy nominated one in 2016, which was cool because they came out with that. And I think Tribe came out with theirs in 2016. So it was like both of them came out in 2016 and released these like fucking masterpieces yeah. and showed people like, yo, we, we still ain't fucking around. Like we're still here too. <laughs> you picked this album, kind of a two-parter question. A, why did you pick this album? And B, would you call De La Soul your favorite hip-hop group of all time? I picked this album because I feel this album is one of the most creative albums of all time. This album is when De La realized the most important thing anyone can have is their brain. And if your brain is stronger than another person's brain, then you are, you know what I mean? That, that is what you want to strive for. So they went out of their way to push creativity. To, in 1993, like I said, like Wu-Tang came out, fucking Redman was doing his thing, like Tribe was like going strong and everyone was looking at them, but like no one was looking at Dayla because it wasn't the style in 93. So like, I think this album is still ahead of its time. I feel like if this album came out yesterday, we'd be like, dude, this thing is a fucking masterpiece. Yeah. They did nothing but push creativity for the sake of creativity's sake. That's where the very, very bad relationship with their record label came into play. Because like you said, their record mm -hmm. label was saying right now, this is what gets on the radio. De La Soul said, why'd you bring us on if you want us mm -hmm. to be a different group? And mm -hmm. I think exactly. that speaks a ton to what a lot of genres of music were going through in the early 90s with labels and change of radio style and things like that. Every couple years, like every genre will go through the shifts. 1991, there was the shift in hip hop where it was like, the late 80s, like, De La was cool and Tribe and stuff. And then, like, as soon as 91 hit, like I said, it was just, like, got real grimy. It got real guttery. It got real tough, which is cool because I fuck with that energy. Like, a lot of these rappers are my favorite rappers. But De La saw that and was just like, why are we going to jump in the tough guy market? We already proved that we're tough because, like, people know we just fucking whoop people's asses <laughs> behind the scenes. Like, we don't got to prove our toughness. Let's just go over in this undersaturated creative market that no one really dips in. Every year, De La Soul will come out in public and just be like, yo, we're literally being held captive by our label. They aren't helping us. Yeah. The end goal is for De La to own their own catalog. The reason they're not is because there's a lot of uh, right. like sample contractual issues that, like I said, the people at Tommy Boy, they just are, they're not even trying to advance because they don't give a fuck. They don't want to lose their right. little bit of money they're making off De La to let De La make like five times as much money. I had read that their 2016 album that they started a Kickstarter yeah. to even produce it. And I thought, why the hell do they not? How do they not <laughs> have they, money yeah. after like seven? It was like seven albums, eight albums at that time. And they raised the money in like 10 days. And that's great. But like, 
Jesus, why don't you have enough money to do that <laughs> after that much time? Yeah. That's why that album's so special. That's why I was like getting to it. Because if you take out some of the details on how the album was made, it's not going to be like your favorite De La album. But if you think about it, yeah, they literally just went to the internet and said, guys, we don't even know what to expect. We're just going to send this out to the world. And the fans literally were just like, doom, doom, here's a bunch of money. And all they, what they did with their money, yeah. they donated a little bit. And they literally just would host these giant studio sessions. And they would have all these musicians come in. And they like would record like 100 hours of music. And then they just went in and mm -hmm. chopped it up. So all the beats and all the instrumentals from the 2016 album is literally from like 100 hours of studio time when they sat through yeah. and just picked out their favorite parts and chopped it up. The people they had come in for that 2016 album. Justin are... Hawkins was in there doing Damn. a guitar solo. Like yeah. why was Justin Hawkins? Like yeah, what? David Two Chains Byrne. and Justin Hawkins on the same fucking album. Yeah. Damon Albarn, it's insane. Snoop. Even with the gorillas, like the fucking um, yeah. Feel Good Ink or whatever, like they're the ones yeah. doing the verse mm -hmm. on that and shit. Little Dragons is on that, Estelle's on that, fucking, they got Pete Rock production mixed in with Justin Hawkins' guitar solo. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Usher. Usher was on it? Yeah, Usher, Usher's on it. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. on a song about taking a Greyhound bus to a new town. Like, yes. It's insane that that label doesn't at least, because even I, after I heard this, yeah, I'll I'll buy this vinyl for mm -hmm. sure. And I went online and it's, you can find it at Discogs for like 175 yeah. bucks. De La Soul is the type of group that would sell vinyl. Dude. People that listen to vinyl would buy the shit out of De La Soul. De La Soul would be, mm -hmm. dude, they would be on so many like early nineties playlists. Yeah. Their Spotify numbers, not even for people searching their shit, but just being on playlists alone would be giving them so many streams. The vinyl stuff's one thing, but it's like the thing that is like a problem is like they just can't get on streaming services because of this. And that yeah. is where a lot of revenue would come to them. Yeah, the way that I had to listen to this album to study for this was YouTube. It is this guy, and God bless you. No, don't even blow his name up because we can't get it taken down. Because this is probably the eighth time that I like, dude. I found so many, and then it's been taken down a day later. Yeah. Like, taken but it's down been a week on. Later. It's been on YouTube <laughs> for seven months, and it's got thirty-seven thousand views. And mm -hmm. it's this is not a well-known album. Really, it just sucks. It just fucking sucks. I feel like I kind of appreciate that because the people who find this album, I feel like they almost deserve or like they need to find this album. <laughs> like, I, I don't think everybody needs to hear this album because I don't think everybody would take the sincerity and the pureness and the and the raw emotion that they are throwing out and, and actually like be able to digest it. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about some of the tracks. Rachel, did you have an aha moment listening to this? No. I didn't. I did in the sense of while listening to it, I had the same head banging tempo the entire time and I really enjoyed listening to it. Something that really bothered me is that I waited too long to study it because I have an English degree. Oh, gee. One of the classes I took was poetry because I was like, this is easy as shit. And when I took it, it was easy as shit, but it was yep. so interesting. That's interesting, though. That's probably fun. Yeah, it's probably so fun. It's though. interesting to take lyrics and to take a piece of poetry and break it down and find all the meaning to it this shit is so random <laughs> like all of the lyrics and i wanted to find so much meaning and i was like i don't have the hours in the day to study this i sat with the lyrics every single time i listened to it and tried to break it down and i was like i can't it's too much work i can't do this <laughs> but uh it was fantastic i really really did love listening to this like do you look at rappers flows like not even what they're saying but just how they're saying it and the way like they're yes the way these guys syncopate mm -hmm. is so fucking awesome some of the flow that they have in this I mean, this is a master class it's early flow. 90s but there's certain mm -hmm. flows and there's certain syncopations that i i've never heard Dude, which or ever heard since yeah it's pretty crazy literally one of them like every song one of them comes in and just does like a weird flow that's why just because literally because just because three days later comes to mind i remember when the song three days later came on and they're like 20 seconds in and he's doing this it's almost lazy it's so fucking cool you don't automatically just love it but once you stop listening to it you're like i i have to listen to that again uh-huh and, <laughs> and i kept doing that with this album i kept listening and being like man this is good, maybe not great. And then I'd get done and then I'd be like, no, I got to listen to this. Like, I need to hear that song again. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then I've been just walking around singing the beginning of Patch for like three fucking days now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> just having different lines, having different 
sets of syllables in each verse it's it was incredible the way that they smashed stuff in there and like david said you're dragging stuff out and leaving time and it was really impressive and again i needed more time with this i feel like i I could do the album as a whole justice but as far as uh lyrically and really breaking that down i feel like i failed (laughs) you're right though because it's particularly what i noticed paused the news was he would start a metaphor and he would end up in a different metaphor, still talking about one together. thing, and then he'd start talking about mm-hmm. another thing. In the middle of the same mm-hmm. sentence, you have to wrap your head around one line for like 10 minutes. Yeah. The way I listen to this album, I have a burned CD in my car. So uh, song names, I, I'm pretty bad with the song names because I literally just have a burned CD that says Blue Mind. That is so it. very early 90s hip hop of you. <laughs> <laughs> The funny thing is I ripped it off of YouTube and it was probably the same channel. So like, it's just the full album. Like I have to listen to the full album mm. or I start it over if I skip. I did thankfully find one that was like a playlist that all the songs were broken down so I could switch so back could and forth to. the time signatures? Yeah, because the first time <laughs> yeah. I was like 48 minutes straight, but I have to figure out which song is which by the <laughs> lyrics. And Danny, what is your opinion on skits in albums? I mean, if they push the idea of the album forward, you see a lot of good skits. I mean, I see like the Kendrick Lamar albums, like obviously those don't even really count as skits, but they are technically skits. You know what I mean? How he's doing like the poem all the way through or how he's doing like the storyline all the way through. So if it's something like that, I'm not too mad about it. The Wu-Tang album fucking had like minute long skits and shit. So like that would kind of be annoying because yeah. it would be the tracks. It'd be like a song would start with like a t- fucking minute long skit. Be like, all right, let me listen to Ghostface, learn how to fucking die wallabies before I listen to him fucking actually <laughs> <Yeah>. rap. <laughs> so I like skits either as they're separate songs. So you can skip them or just at the end of songs. But I mean, as long as they push the album forward, I'm not mad about them. Sure. Uh, I'm hit or miss. It's interesting with this album. The first couple times I heard it drove me nuts. But then I kept listening to this album and I kept noticing the stuff that was kind of driving me crazy at first, the immediate strange cuts in songs and the sudden voicemails and the spoken word and the random beginning parts blended in with other spoken word. It builds this whole feel of what I think that they're trying to do. And not only does it make it a little more casual because they are, they're very conscious and they're speaking from the heart, which is pretty rare in hip hop. It keeps it light almost but at the same time they just jar you all of a sudden by like that's the that's the prince paul side of it like prince paul was always like the counter i wanted to express because the whole fucking de la soul discography is crazy but if you listen to any albums after Mm -hmm. blue mind say like there's less of that yeah so that's definitely like the prince paul side of it like he does throw the little goofiness he'll throw more skits in but also again when you get to the early de la soul like those skits help push it to completion so yes um because some of the skits are annoying like there's that dude speaking in like japanese for a fucking song and shit like yeah they, they have <laughs> japanese like, rapper for like the but at, intro yeah, but at the end of the whole album you're like okay this whole energy is is good i am the same person as you so at first i was like what the <laughs> fuck are they doing and then you have to remind yourself that these guys are really, really artists. And so everything they do, they're doing for a reason. Having a very similar beat with most of the songs. And like I said, I was bouncing my head the same beat to every song. I think it really helped break that up a little bit. If it was the same song every time and you take the skits out and you take I Be Blowing out, I think it would get a little tiresome. I completely agree. Took me a while to get used to it, but this is one of those, the more you listen, the more you like kind of albums. For sure. Did any of the songs on here get radio play? Was Break a Dawn on the radio? I feel Break Ego Trip was. might have had, I mean, so Ego Trip and Break mm. a Dawn had music videos. So I feel because of that, they okay. probably had like the radio promotion even on the slightest bit, but you think a radio is going to play Ego Trip over and over again? Like with the motherfuckers screaming and shit? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, they're coming with such like a pure emotion, a pure approach for the sake of creativity and for the sake of like pure love. There's a few like lyrics that kind of like exemplify it. There's one like my favorite lyric and this like kind of fucking exemplifies it the most. Fuck being hard. Pasta noose is complicated. God damn it. Just that lyric right there. (laughs) Like, you know, I mean, uh, just that right there. It's like, yo, like, well, 
You took my best line of the album. <laughs> for real? That's, yeah. You really did. I, I could show you my notes. That was my line for best. Son of a bitch. That defines it the most. There is more to people than any of this. And then again, you look at the video for Ego Trip. I don't know if you, had, if you guys checked out the music video. I didn't even know they had them. This is why they're so ahead of their time. Throughout the video, they're like, so Ego Trip, obviously it's about like fucking Ego Trip and people on the radio just screaming nonsense at you on some ego shit. Yeah. And then like the music video, they're like in a mansion, there's all these girls, there's like a nice car and on the bottom there's like subtitles like, this is a rental. He doesn't live here. There's water in these bottles, like shit like that. So it's like, it's so ahead of their time of being aware. I feel where I'm at in my life, I'm becoming a little more aware of just who I am and a lot more comfortable with who I am. And this is an album of comfortability and who you are as a person. That's awesome. Rachel, early 90s hip hop is so vast mm -hmm. and so insane. So many different types of genres within that genre. If somebody were to come up to you and just ask you, how would you categorize this album? What would you tell them? <sighs> That's a good question. That's a great question you, that you should have sent ahead of time. <laughs> are you talking about in context of 1993 or in context of just hip hop as a whole where we're at in 2022? Actually, you know what? Both. I want to hear both of those answered. How would I describe this album in context of 1993? Take everything that you've seen released in the past four months and think of the opposite of motion and listen to it. Mm. Oh. 1993 is like, that's one of the years. Like some of my favorite rappers were in their fucking height in 1993. Yeah. But there was so much grittiness, which is fine because I, I exist in that world too. But it's like, dude, this is this just sounds like nothing. It just sounds like nothing in 1993. Think of the jazziest fucking album that you've heard and related in hip hop. And that's how I would relate it. I would say that comparing to other groups like we already talked about Arrest Development or Tribe Called Quest or that sort of thing. I definitely mm -hmm. think that there's something about these beats and this production that just has more of that old school jazz feel. I just think it's one of the most mature hip hop albums I've ever heard. I don't even know how old anyone was like, but I feel like these are guys who just, again, they have a complete understanding and comfortability of who they are. With you saying that would be a good segue into the fact that I love the biz is on this oh. album. God, the way that they just, they brought Bismarcky back just because they need to show respect of where hip hop was. Like in 1993, no one was looking at Biz. Yeah. Like he already ran yeah. his course. Like he's done. Like no one's doing beatboxes anymore. Okay. So for reference, they were 23 to 25 at the time. Yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. You know what I mean? All of them. A fucking, they were kids. Imagine that. You know what I mean? And I'm like relating to them now and I'm 30. It took me an extra five years to like have the comfortability in myself. Also, yeah. you know, growing up as a black kid in the 80s in Long Island could not have been easy. Mm -hmm. These Definitely guys did not have easy life lives growing up. I pretty much guarantee it. They were a little more, they weren't like in the crazy middle thick of it. Like they were no. a little more suburban and they were a little more like, mm -hmm. they could have acted like that. They could yeah. have fucking jumped in, but they fucking literally said, mm -hmm. oh, we're over here. We're from this world. So let's do what we can do in the creativity and the brain mindset because we can't act like this. That was something that I noticed while I was looking at the lyrics. I was like, they barely swear. They're getting their point across without guns and sex mm -hmm. and cursing. And it was like the Jeff Dunham of of rap and hip hop at the time. Hold on, 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 hold on. We're not calling him the Jeff Dunham of rap. Jeff Dunham, Jeff Fox. Jeff Foxworthy is who I was thinking. He's very clean. Sorry, not Jeff Dunham. like, yo, we ain't really- He does swear. Like, I ain't bringing Jeff Dunham into this conversation. Edit his name out, Jeff Dunham gets no love. I don't even know who that is. He's the puppet guy. He's the fucking with the puppet, yeah. The fucking cheap comedy. Oh, he's been around for like 40 years. He's been around for a while. Yeah, he can't yeah. think of jokes on his own, so he has to create characters to come oh, up shit. with jokes. This guy does not like, what's his, Jeff? Dunham. Jeff Dunham. Fox Dunham. Hates him. <laughs> Jeff Fox Dunham. Jeff Foxworthy was the guy. I was okay. yeah. Just say Will Smith. Will Smith. He's like the Will Smith of hip hop, but a lot oh. earlier. They are like. I wish Will Smith stopped aging after 2001. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just think that was the opposite end of it's unfortunate. I mean, I'm not going to say it's unfortunate because I love it as well. But the other side of hip hop at that time, and I don't want to just break it down into, well, there were two things. There was gangster rap and there was this. That's, yeah, and then it's, something else. Right. But obviously the Dr. Dre's and the Tupac's and that sort of thing went on and our legendary status. Everybody owns mm -hmm. it. Everybody listens to it. This sort of stuff did. Speaking to what Rachel was talking about, the actually 
talking about different things than everybody else was. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't about how fucking hard you were. It was about yourself. A lot of the things that the great rappers that we have now, like we already talked about Kendrick Lamar, that I think they learned that from these people that you can have great shit if you actually talk about your Mm -hmm. pain and your emotion and your, your mental struggles and stuff. You don't have to be ashamed of that. That's a pretty huge deal. I think De La Soul is a massive influence because of that. Sure. Every single human in the world is unique. So if you 100% purely put yourself into a song, it will be unique because every human is unique. So if you put your pain, you put your joy, you put your genuine emotion into a song, it will be unique than any other song that could come out. Absolutely. We haven't really talked about specific tracks on this. I mean, we kind of had, I touched on Three Days Later. We talked about Break of Dawn and... Uh, we could go through every fucking track. Dude, this is a fucking good album. It is. It is. <laughs> you know what we'll do? We'll take a break. We'll come back and we'll use the awards and categories portion of the night to talk more on specific tracks. Deal. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Guns don't kill people. Addicts. are back let's get into some awards and categories so we can talk a little bit more about these tracks the first thing that i'm going to do this is the david crosby meh award for bad reviews if there was one negative amazon review this one the username is bull looney which makes me think that they started their account just to just to fuck just with poorly them. review this album yeah just literally the fuck they probably got one review it's on this album sure Probably like fucking Tommy Boyd. Yeah. <laughs> so this is what he says. He says, after picking back up my passion for DJing, I had to upgrade my CD library. I realized that in my De La Soul collection, this was the one I didn't have. Not because I didn't think the album was good. I wanted it because of the cut called The Break of Dawn. The reason I didn't buy it was the price it was selling on Amazon for. So when I reviewed what others had to say, I was like, I gotta have it. So I copped it. Bad idea, especially for the price. Word to the wise for those who shop on Amazon, if there are no samples to listen to, don't buy the album. Stakes as high as great. This is straight balloon. I don't get it. (laughs) Same. I don't understand how if you like De La Soul, you wouldn't like this album. This isn't some big, huge, weird alternative step De La Soul took. Yeah. It was like funny because he said he like updated his CD library yeah, he's to been, DJ. Yeah, what, has he not DJed <laughs> since fucking 89? Maybe. Yeah. Like, I don't have this album from 93. I need to update my library. Dude, you got fucking 20 fucking five years of music to update your library on now. Like, you're going to be breaking the bank on fucking CDs. Come on, guy. Were you scratching a CD but, on a fucking turntable? Like, what do you that's mean? what I was thinking of. Like, <laughs> what are you doing, man? But the reason that I picked this is actually because he has another review that I just wanted to read. He has two reviews <laughs> in his user name. One of them is for this, and one of them was for a movie that came out like five years ago, four years ago, called The Green Room, which is about this like punk band that unknowingly ended up at this gig at a Nazi thing, Ooh. like a skinheads thing. Yeah. And it turns into this like horror movie. It's actually a pretty good movie. <laughs> but his re- his review of it, it's got Patrick Stewart in it oh. as well. And Patrick Stewart plays a skinhead. Wrap your head around that. <laughs> anyway, the whole reason I bring this up is because this man also has a review for Green Room. And I just wanted to read the title of it because his review is Green Room, Dumb Room, More Like It. <laughs> the man's a genius. So, That's a great title. All that to just... I just needed to say that. The green room probably lost so many fucking sales after yeah. that review. Okay. Um, all right, awards and categories. Let's start with the DMX award. I love the name of this award. There might be a lot of times where I ask, how did you relate like the name to the, uh, to the category? Like, why do you have the DMX as a unique award? 
I just because he's so besides him being unique. That's why. I, so <laughs> I'm I'm a massive massive DMX fan, and when he passed away last year, I was just like, we have to name an award after him, mm. and it was the unique one because there is no other DMX. Certain Jaw Rules will try to sound like uh, DMX. Oh shit! But it, it will, yeah, DMX, but it'll never work. You're not DMX wrong. would be rocking the stage by himself. DMX will rock the biggest stage in front of the biggest crowd literally by himself. Like DMX live is that shit's crazy. We've just got Woodstock 99, our episode on Woodstock 99 coming out on yo, Monday. The DMX when he's in the half fucking buttoned overalls like overalls. going in on the stage. Yo, <laughs> holy shit, are you fucking dude? He's rocking a stage by himself. Yeah. yeah. There's like That's six a huge there's like stage. six there's six man bands that aren't even rocking the stage as well as he nope. is. Mm-hmm. Rachel, David. DMX award. Um, I think well we t- we kind of went over lyrically just how they organized each line of music, smashing stuff in, putting extra syllables in there, adding brass. I mm. loved that. Again, we talked about introduced for me at least a style of hip-hop that wasn't about all the bad things you do to get popular it was just music and it was just art and in that way it was completely unique to everything i had heard at the time that's fairly close i just think of the time it was just refreshing we kind of already talked about but it's just unique to have a group that says i don't give a shit about what's going to get me money Mm-hmm. And with their label pushing them and pushing them and them just saying, no, I'm doing this. That is very unique. That very rarely happens. They've done it for 35 years. And that's kind of why I kind of feel like I keep using the word like it's actual art. It actually is really, really beautiful music because when you create art, you don't really care what other people it's pure. are it's thinking. Pure. You just do it for yourself because you need to yep. get that out there. I'm going to go on a physical sense. I think this album is unique as a physical listen because the first fucking line, it might blow up, but it won't go pop, but the instrumental, they return to that once or twice in the album. Yep. And then same with the I Be Blowing, they fucking rap over that same instrumental later in the album, yep. but it doesn't take away from anything. It's not like, oh, I feel repetitive. This is a rerun. Absolutely. In a physical sense, that is like they did a six-minute trumpet solo in the middle of a rap album. <laughs> yep. A six-minute trumpet solo in the middle of a rap album. <laughs> That's fucking hip-hop. Yeah. It, and that is unique about this album. I agree. The callbacks in this album to previous themes, it's fucking awesome. I love that about this album. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in another award and category. This is a pretty easy one. But I guess we'll still see if there's anything left to say about it. But under <laughs> overrated, underrated, properly rated. I mean, you know, I Rachel, have we done an album on this podcast yet that would be more underrated than this album? Danny's saying no. I don't think so. <laughs> this is the most Honestly. underrated rap album of all time. It was underrated 1993, underrated 2003, underrated 2013. Now we're approaching 2023 and it's still more underrated than it's ever been. It is listed on Rolling Stone's best hip-hop albums of all time so it is recognized by people who know music well don't don't say who know music yeah that's a weird that's a that, <laughs> that's a questionable sentence right there that's <laughs> fair i but um, the, okay i get what you're saying people that have their yeah. finger on the zeitgeist right people that major publications yes yeah it is tough though too because like lists like that they try to respect other artists meaning they won't just throw like like they're not going to throw fucking four de la soul albums in the top 20 even though four de la soul albums are in the fucking top 20 (laughs) rachel give me some influences and influencees what have we not mentioned anybody that's i have an outcast album behind me Mm -hmm. i'd say outcast Mm -hmm. most deaf most deaf Anybody that's fucking amazing. They were the first people to put most stuff on a track. Were they really? On stakes as high, yeah. I didn't even know that. Well, there you go. <laughs> Influencees, it's fairly easy. Well, first off, they've already talked about it themselves, and they cited James Brown, Curtis Blow. Mm-hmm. You have to say Sugar Hill Gang. I think when you're a hip-hop group, it's sure. like you're ordered to uh, run DMC, <laughs> so... Um, I do love how they call out a lot of artists, a lot of musicians. You know, they talk a lot about James Brown, which is fucking awesome. Never mind the Bullocks Award. Is this the band's best album? Danny, you said it's not your favorite. Do you think it's their best? I'm not saying it's not my favorite. Don't don't quote me or on maybe that. Maybe it's okay. It depends on the day. Tomorrow might not be, but the next day it probably is. Oh, <laughs> is it their best album? 
De La Soul doesn't have a best album. Is there like a specific few or do you love every single one of them? Um, the first four De La Soul albums, we got Three Feet High and Rising, De La Soul is Dead, Balloon Mind State, and Stakes, Stakes is High. Sorry. I don't think there is a genre of music. Like if you look at a, that shit compares to Led Zeppelin's first four albums. Like this shit is like literally like if you look at an artist's first four albums, it's like top five in artist's first four albums. Mm -hmm. Outkast is up there with them on the first four albums, but I think De La might get the little edge. So I would agree. I don't think it's by far their best album and it's not my favorite, but I've only, you know, I've had a relationship with this album for like three weeks now, four weeks mm -hmm. now. So I don't know. I have always loved De La Soul is Dead. I have a massive, massive soft spot for that album. That's like my least favorite of the four albums. Mm. I love the concept behind it. I don't know if you heard any like stories of like the, the concept behind it, but like they basically hit the Daisy Age and all that. And like they fucking hated that everyone was calling them hippies and shit. Yeah. So they were in a boardroom talking about what the next album is. They had a whiteboard on, on the wall, like concepts of the next album, blah, 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 blah. One of the members got up, erased everything and just wrote, is dead on it. <laughs> I love that story because the reason that I think I just like De La Soul is Dead is it doesn't have a too much of a different feel than the other stuff, but it does have this darkness and this anger in that album that, uh, you know, that's just my style, I guess. It's just you. And the album cover is cool too because again, cool. they like, they took the they took the Daisy Age and then they literally have the broken flower pot on the cover. Like, dude, that I can relate to them because they were just like, we don't fuck with this shit. Like, we everyone calls us hippies. <laughs> and then the next album comes out and it's like broken flower pot. And they're like, you know what I mean? They're acting a little more dark. Mm -hmm. Rachel, what about you? This was not my favorite album, I don't think. None of them really stood out to me as like, this is the best album all the way through. I didn't listen to every single song of every single album. I did kind of enjoy the most recent stuff a little bit more. And I think it's because I just like harder. Anonymous Nobody. Anonymous it was Nobody's just... special, yeah. It's a special album. Yeah. I haven't even heard it. That's where I got like one song from each album on Spotify yeah. so they can get their 10%. <laughs> Straight back to you, Rachel. Yeah. John Paul Jones Award. Hold on, why is this called the John Paul Jones Award? Like John Paul Jones and Led Zeppelin? Yeah. You want to take him out of Led he... Zeppelin? No, it's because you can plug him in to any band, any genre, any time, and he's going to make it better. Oh, we're okay. I thought it was like the opposite. He's like, like re-stressing. No, I got it. I thought you were like doing the opposite. I thought you were no. saying the opposite. of like, yo, take him out of Led Zeppelin. I was like, what are you fucking no, talking no, 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 about? No. I'm like saying like nobody talks about John Paul Jones, but he was the glue that held Led Zeppelin together. So I told you yesterday, I didn't think that you knew who this was. And I'm going to stick with that. And I wanted to tell you because I wanted you to listen. So you could be like, yeah, Rach, you're so smart. You're spot on. And that is a group called Black Violin. I don't think so. <laughs> Are they I'm new smarter or than old? you? They've been around since 2004. It's two Are guys. They they're two guys that just play the violin, right? Yeah, there's a viol guy that plays the viola, guy that plays violin, and they play like hip hop stringed music, and it is fucking fantastic. And I think putting some of that in there, the vibe mm. is very similar, and I think it would have been dope. I said I wish they had done this under a different label. That's all. Ah, <laughs> <I was. laughs> yo, I fuck with that okay. answer. I fuck <laughs> with that answer. Danny, would you uh, bring somebody in on this that wasn't on it? The only thing I would say is probably more like live instrumental solos. Like the Ivy Blowing song is fucking special. Like that that's mm -hmm. a special song to me. Maybe some more like live musicians. I don't have any off the top of my head, but just I think more live instrument or like live that. solos and stuff like that. Teach Him Young Awards. I said eye patch. I think it's so fucking catchy. That beginning, the vinyl scratch with that James Brownie guitar mm -hmm strut it's perfect early 90s hip-hop what about you danny i'm gonna get really sincere with this answer because i think i am i be is one of the best rap songs of all time and i would want to relate that to a child or to anyone because again it is with that comfort of self it is with that self-understanding is with that there's so much pureness to that song like i can't get into it like it, it's insane so i think i would throw that to a younger person to be like hey these are some people who went through some stuff and they have an understanding of themselves and this is some pure feeling from their words you know good beat good rhymes all that but I, i'm i'm going like the opposite approach where it's like i want to show a child like the rawest song so they can have an understanding that this is something to build to. I very much like that answer. And I'm glad that you brought up the song. I said the same thing. <laughs> 
IMIB. That's when I really got like, I don't have enough time to listen to these lyrics and really feel them and really understand what they're trying to communicate. And I think that same, give it that, given that to a kid, I think that would be perfect. I'm going to be honest, like out of every rap song I've ever heard, this is probably the one that brings tears to my eyes the most because it's just so pure. (laughs) Like it's just such a, such raw emotion, such raw voice behind what every line that they're saying. Okay, I was going to save this for when we were talking about our three favorite songs of this album, but I'll just do it now because it sounds like all the spoilers are out of the window anyway. (laughs) I had a lot of fun listening to this album, take breaks at work, and I'd just take a walk and listen. It was really fun. It was cool. Last night, so the Friday night before we record or, or the Friday we record, I always sit down with a drink and really try to soak the album in. Last night, when it got to IMIB, it very much hit me. Oh, I get it now. It's a perfect hip-hop song. It was that moment of, oh, this is why it's one of his favorite albums of all time. I got chills right now thinking about it, dude. Like, for real. It, <laughs> it, it makes me mad that I can't... God, just fucking release this music, please. <laughs> I want it to like on playlists and shit. I get into my like deep in my heart, deep into my soul, deep in my mind. And then this song comes around and then it's like, don't worry. We heard this instrumental and we are also as deep into our heart, as deep into our mind, as deep into our soul. John Popper Award, Rachel. (sighs) There were so many good hooks. I had written down Running Through the Trenches. Uh, I love it. Because that is what got stuck in my head. (laughs) And then I couldn't stop singing. Danny, what you got? I'm going to not go back to IMIB. So (laughs) I... That's fine. I like when the chorus of Break of Dawn comes in. A one, two, a one, two. Uh, yeah. It's a good late album song. Like, I like it. It's just like a good general, good versus good chorus. So I'm going to say Break of Dawn. Yeah. Spectacular. Great hook. This this album is full of great hooks. Mine is Eye Patch. Yeah. I just mess up my mind, mess up my... I'm serious. Yeah. I'm just going to sing it for weeks and weeks. <laughs> and then the way they come in. I, see, what I sing from this album is in choruses, though. Like, I wish the question was, what is your favorite flow from the album? Because, like, that's what I remember. I remember, like, the verses and the way they'd be flowing over the choruses. We can actually do that. I do have a favorite flow, which I already talked about. Mine was uh, in the Patty Duke where it comes as a let no man under. Yeah, three days later, that's mine. It's almost like the whole Beastie Boys huge emphasis on the last word of the, of the line. Yeah. But instead of yelling yeah. it, he kind of goes lazy with it. Instead mm-hmm. of going, mm-hmm. ah, he's like, yeah, Rachel, do you have one? I really liked in Patty Duke. Man, you are all the face about from the backs song. of the border of the mind state. That's awesome. It didn't fit, but it made it fit, and it was so good. <laughs> <laughs> There's one song where they don't even rhyme the first half of the verse. I don't remember what song because I got the burnt CD, so it fucks me up. But, but it still works. Yeah. It still fucking it don't. It doesn't ruin momentum of the song. Yeah, Rachel, what's your favorite? line i said from eye patch hey pants will sag because i'm a licensed plumber (laughs) i just thought that was clever i really (laughs) like that and then the imagery of i got beats up my sleeve that you wouldn't believe which is very easy but like the imagery of it i was like yeah that's kind of feels like when it's just like flowing like it's just danny stole mine Fuck being hard. Pause the noose is complicated. Piece of shit. Is complicated. Yeah, dude, that shit's... And that is <laughs> one of the hardest lines in hip hop. Yeah. Fuck being hard. I'm complicated. It's one of the hardest lines. Like, come on. That line definitely <laughs> hit me. Do you have any others besides that line, Danny? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously we can talk about the fucking it might blow up, but it won't go pop. It's yeah. fucking crazy. Because um, mm-hmm. that's like another reinterpretation of De La Soul is dead. You know what I mean? It's just yep. like an updated version at that time. I like how they fucking just like talk about crossing over a few times. Or crossing over is nothing but a double cross. And it's like, yo, you never see five black men on Elvis cover. Why do you <laughs> want white men on a rap man cover? Yeah. Like, that shit's cool. But IMIB, there's a line at the end of, I, I wouldn't be a thug selling drugs, but I would be a man with a plan. But if I was selling drugs, I'd have the best drugs. Yeah. And I yeah. fucking love that right. line. It's just like, yo, I wouldn't be doing that. I would be a man with a plan. Even if I wasn't that, I would still have the best drugs. That's so fucking pure. Yeah. And it is positive news. Yeah. So yeah. good job. Best solo riff, the Eddie Van Halen Award. <laughs> I love the screaming at the beginning of Ego Trippin'. There's something about that <laughs> intro that it's so fucking it's like, yo, fun. And, it's so crazy they did that because it's literally they're just like yo 
everyone on the radio is just ego tripping right now. It's just mm -hmm. nonsense in your ear. So instead of saying nonsense, they just scream at you. Like that just shit scream. is so fucking funny. Like, come on. Rachel, what do you got? Um, I cheated and said I'd be blowing. Oh yeah, that is cheating. All of it. I mean, that's like an obvious answer, but it's like, I wasn't prepared I for this question. So that's my answer too. <laughs> <laughs> same surfer rosa award as far as this album's flow i know the answer is yes but do you think that it's at all top heavy mm. bottom heavy any parts in it that maybe you would have done different yeah. as a producer so up until today i was pretty top heavy with it but i listened to it on my way home i was driving a lot today so i listened to it on my way home and it doesn't dip the whole time like they just be fucking flowing the whole fucking time yeah i'm a little partial to 48 minute albums i think albums should clock in a little shorter than that but nah i ain't mad because again if you look at 1993 we got over hour long yeah. albums so mm -hmm. it is like compact in comparison and well de la soul's other albums are usually like an hour 10 and that, exactly yeah. that's what i'm saying so in comparison we are compact and if we are as quote-unquote compact as we can get what the fuck else are you going to remove i agree i like the way this was put together i like the concept i like that they were trying to build an entire feel like i already talked about with the sudden cuts and the i could have done without the voicemails but that's nitpicking very very well flowed album rachel what do you think i agree looking at their other albums this one's shorter than all of them the grind date clocks in at 52 minutes but there's some that clock in in 70 something minutes uh that would get a little tiring i think for me yeah, but that's a lot it is a there's lot like bad skits. there's a lot of skits in those Donna. long albums too <laughs> Donna. yeah uh, i don't even think i've listened to that shit here's a tough one for you danny Ooh. time of your life award what do you think is the worst song on this album to my understanding the japanese rapping is a track so i'm gonna say that one that uh, is, I think it's uh, Japanese. It is Japanese. Okay, it's I was Japanese. Say, excuse me if I'm like incorrect and in saying the wrong thing. The Long Island Wyland. Long Island Wyland. That's right. Thank you. So it's not its own track. It's kind of in the middle. No, it's the beginning. Oh shit! Of... Never mind. I thought it was. I, I thought it was like its own track. Never mind because I like Long Island. Long Island Wyland. <laughs> I like Long Island Wyland. It's just like, dude, dude, come on. We can't be talking about rap lyrics when we're fucking drinking. That's not fair. <laughs> I'm not gonna say one. You're a guest. <laughs> you're a guest. I'll allow. You gotta pick one, a, or we're gonna hang all that, of them. Is that a whack answer? It is, but you're allowed <laughs> because you're a guest. But if you were somebody like Rachel, okay, well, you have to have an answer. Oh, I have an answer, and it's controversial. Actually, I do have an answer. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry, I want it. to say my answer. Oh, go in the woods. Oh, really? Which is fine because I appreciate its creativity. I like how they be going back and forth with the female and like the dude yeah. in the first verse. But now that you said that the one song is like one song, like I can't say that. So I'm gonna say in the woods. Um, I be blowing. Yo, I'm about to hang up on you. I get I it. <laughs> Here's why it felt like a intermission song what do you have against intermissions you like wanna i wanted go get to popcorn? i it's only 48 oh. minutes i didn't need to go get popcorn <laughs> i don't know that that much of it was necessary mm. i feel like if you cut the song down i would have agreed with it would more. you take However, it out completely or just cut it down i think i would just cut it down i wanted to get back to it mm. and that took away a little bit from i could see that if it wasn't for the fact that it makes imib hit that much harder once you get to that's true to that kind of yeah. the differentiation in the beat i said paul's revenge it's a fucking voicemail oh is that a track itself it's a track itself yeah. see that's not that's not fair i got the burn cd so that's not fair that's not fair i would have fucking said that too then yeah just prince paul talking on a voicemail you gotta yeah. get on youtube yeah. <laughs> prince paul talking on a voicemail get that out of here if you want to there yes. we go Okay, and now this might be an even harder question for you, Danny. So I'll go to you last, actually. Rachel, what are the three best songs on this album? Three best songs on this album. Mm. In no specific order. You have to have an order. Oh. What are you talking about? Okay, number three, Long Island Riley. I, Here's why. It was so creative. Like, who brings in Japanese rappers? Did you read the <laughs> Japanese rap? I did. It's basically... De La Soul was late to the studio. That's basically what the rap yeah. is. They're like, these guys started for you. <laughs> yeah. um, I loved that. Like I read the title and I was like, yeah, Long Island, Wyland. And then I was like, Long Island. The Long Island is Japan. Mm. Oh. Oh. Mm. Do you think it was a dual meaning? Did they say? I think it might have been. De La don't do shit by know. accident. That's what I read into it. Mm. That's deep. That's what she said. All right, that just took the deepness out of it for sure. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's also what she says sometimes. 
I'm going to go with uh, number two for Patty Duke because it was fantastic. Also, I felt like there was some Spanish guitar in there and I was really enjoying that. Uh, and number one, am I am I be? Yeah, I mean, it sounds time. like, yeah, that's going to be a pretty easy one for all of us. Uh, I'm going to let Danny go last. My third favorite I've talked about a lot already is Three Days Later. That song's so fucking cool. I love it. Mm. My second favorite is Ego Trippin'. From front to start, it's it's just so well produced. It's so well produced. And uh, my number one is I Am I Be. It's, yeah. That's a holy fuck song for me. That is a perfect hip hop song. Mm. Danny... What are your three favorite songs on this album? Ooh, definitely got to throw Break of Dawn in there. Mm-hmm. I feel like there are parts of Break of Dawn that have been used so many times in other hip hop albums. Did you get a feel for Six Underground, Sneaker Pimps, when you were listening to Break of Dawn? No, but as you're saying that, I can Because I kind of felt a little bit of that, which was a handful of years later, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Break of Dawn 3 because I, I love like the sample of synth or the keyboard or whatever they use. Like Again, yeah. just, like, just like a very pure fucking sound. I'm going to go with the fucking opposite of you and say I am I be at number two. Oh. Because it, all right. I'm going to pause on it because, again, like the uniqueness of who the fuck be having a horn solo in 1993 <laughs> rap album. Period. Yeah. And then I have to put that at number two because number one is IMIB and I already explained why those two relate together really well. So IMIB is, again, that's a top fucking three, top five, top three rap song of all time without even thinking about it. It's an amazing song. We've got a couple more things to do and we're going to let Danny enjoy a Saturday night. I'll start it off. Who won this album? Unfortunately, I am reversing my own award for me and I'm saying it's more about who lost this album and it's proof from all genres that if you want to stay relevant, you have to sell out at some point and it's extremely unfortunate. It just makes them even more badass that they never did. This isn't a good one, but Tommy boy. Uh. They did. I mean, they did. I mean, they're st- they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot, though. They're really fucking stupid. They're really stupid. They're making the money, though. Like I hope how, they listen how to this. They're, they're stupid all the way to the bank. They could be pressing this and selling it, you know, and they're not. Well, no it's one, so no one would, at this point, I don't think people would support that, though. You know what I mean? Like, everyone is so aware of what is happening that they're just, like, kind of behind the scenes just letting what That's happens happen. That's a good happen. point. Although... Before studying for this, I would have bought the shit out of this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's a little ironic. Yeah. <laughs> Danny, who won this album besides you? <laughs> who won this album? <laughs> uh, I think everybody yeah. uh, who was a part of making the album did their part. So I can't specifically say an artist or like a specific rapper or producer. Again, not just me, but to be corny with it, anyone who has heard this album has won this album. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's incredibly well put. I like it very, very much. The last thing we have to do is to rate the album. Mm. I typically go on a 10 out of 10 scale. Rachel does now too. You've been doing that all year, I guess, huh? Uh, So I guess I'll start it off. I gave this 8 out of 10 Boys from Long Island. I don't think it's the perfect album. I do think it's an amazing album. There's a little bit of jankiness that sometimes does hurt the flow, even though I think it works for the overall concept. But it is a fantastic listen, and it is at least an 8 out of 10. Rachel, what do you got? I'm a very harsh grader, so I apologize in advance. I gave it a 7 out of 10. And I feel like even though that's a C technically, it's a very good grade. You've got the glasses on and yes, the bun and you're talking about grading. Um, all the things David said. I feel like there's a couple points in it where it made it not perfect for me, but all around a really, really great album. So I feel like a good solid seven. Danny, would you call this a 10 out of 10 album for yourself? Mm. There's two ways to answer that question. I think... <laughs> I'd like to hear okay, both. I think De La, at that moment in time, were as true to themselves as they could. So for that, I would give it a 10 out of 10 because you can't ask more from someone but to put their most honest mm-hmm. approach in something. And I think they did put their most honest approach. I don't want to give it less than a 9 or 10 because if someone puts their honest approach, who am I to say, fuck you? Right. But yeah, we admit frequently on this show that rating albums is very arbitrary <laughs> and silly. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say 8.5 to 9. 10 is obviously like sacred, sacred, mm-hmm. sacred ground. But if you talk to me tomorrow, I could probably say 10. Ask me in another day and we could say 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Balloon Mind State by De La Soul. Danny, I can't thank you enough for bringing this album to our attention, letting us talk some hip hop. This was really fun. You are a very, very cool dude. Big Eleanor, once again, is the record label. 
Go check out Advocat. That is A D V shit. Too much vodka. Uh, A D V O C A A T. Yes. And they are on Spotify, all that stuff. Or you can just go to the Big Eleanor. You find them on Instagram. Once again, we'll be promoting it. And Shaw Calhoun. Yes. Which once again I listened to for the first time today. It is very very fucking cool. I really like it. I'm glad that we can play it for this episode. Danny, thank you so much. Yo. Thank you guys for entertaining my fucking self for an hour or however long we've been. No, this has been a while. Jesus Christ. All right. Thank you guys. I appreciate you for fucking taking the time to fucking listen to this album. Because again, this album means so much to me. So I appreciate you taking the couple weeks to fucking listen and, Absolutely. and sharing your Saturday. This is me. a blast. So, this is my favorite thing to do on this is, you know, have somebody on that's passionate about a great album. There's nothing more fun than that. Rachel, thanks for joining yes. as well. Hey, no problem. Seems like you had fun listening to this one. Yeah, this is not something I would normally pick up. And so I actually, I really, really enjoyed stepping out of my box. That's what she said. Opening up my eyes to new stuff. <laughs> Join us Good next one. week. Uh, we are doing our last DL's 10 out of 10s of the year. And it's a fucking doozy. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Good night and good luck. Ah, uh, Danny Nono, Big Eleanor Records. I am Nono, I be energy. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Yo, since my first breaths, since I took my first steps, I was destined to take this game through a thrash. Nonetheless, it's pure magic. Give me time when me and the beat mess. Your boy's been nice. This nigga's rockin' steep text. Straight walkin' flame. No need for a heat check. I find it hard to stress.